Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good evening, everybody, and happy Christmas Eve to you. In 1847, a priest in a very small village in France went to the local poet. And the local poet was actually the commissioner of wines. He, he wasn't, uh, he went to church some, but he didn't go to church that much. But the priest said, can you write us a Christmas song for Christmas Eve Mass? And so the commissioner of wines was on his way to Paris shortly after that. And he began, he pulled a Bible out. And he began to read the story out of Luke, the one that we've been reading from for the last three weeks as we've looked at songs we sing. And and he began to read the story of Christ. And it really struck him. It, it, It really had an effect on him. And he began to imagine what it would have been like to be there with this happening in the story himself. And so he began to write out this song that we sing. We sing and we say everybody sings it all over the world. And By the time he got to Paris, the poem was complete. Well, he knew he had something very special, and he thought, well, you know, this needs something more than just being a poem. And so he had a friend named Adolph Adam, who was the son of a famous orchestra conductor and also songwriter. And he went to Adam, and he said, can you put this to music? Well, Adam was Jewish. He didn't know much about the Christmas a story at all, but when he started reading the words, it began to have an effect on him as well, and he began to think this is more than just some poet, some poet writing a, a, a nice rhyme. There's power in this story, and so three weeks later, the song was completed, and then uh, it was played and sang for the first time, Christmas Eve Mass, and it took off. People loved it. They wanted it every Christmas. They sang it. Well, what happened was the guy who wrote the thing, who was so, you know, touched by the story, eventually completely pulled out of church and became a socialist. And the guy who, of course, who wrote the music was Jewish. And so once the guy who was in the church and became a socialist... The church, once that happened, the church official says, well, we can't sing this song. And so they forbade the church to sing, Oh, Holy Night. But the people had a different idea. They said, no, we love this song. There's something special about this story. And so they continued to sing it in their homes. And they sang it on the street corners. And they sang it when they caroled through their communities. And 10 years later, this song made its way across the water to the United States, and a gentleman picked up on it. And 10 years later, do you know what was going on in America? The Civil War was about to begin, and a man named John Sullivan Dwight took the song, and he especially loved the second verse where it says, Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. So he really liked that song. And so he brought it to America. He began singing it, introducing it into the church. It became very popular up north during this period of time. 
And there's another legend that goes along with this song as well, and that is that in 1871, on Christmas Eve, in the midst of the battle between France and Germany, right around midnight, a French soldier took off all of his uh, armor, he took off of, uh, his, laid his rifle down, and he stood up on the top of that muddy bank, and he began to sing this song, O Holy Night. And he got through three verses. And at the end of the third verse, a German soldier stood up, took his weapon and laid it down and sang Martin Luther's song, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. And that's not the end of all of this. In 1906 on Christmas Eve, there was a man named Reginald Fessenden, 33 years old. He was an assistant to Thomas Edison. And he was working on an experiment, and the experiment was this. Because up to that time, the only thing you could hear on the radio was static or the Morse code. That was it. Well, in the first experiment, Reginald reads these words, the first words across the airwaves, and it came to pass in those days, straight out of Luke. And when he finished the Christmas story, he picked up his violin and he stepped to the microphone and the first music heard was Oh Holy Night. You see how you can't keep a good song down? <laughs> and you can't keep the truth and the beautiful, wonderful story of Christ coming to earth, veiling himself in flesh, God himself. That story has captured artists, painters, songwriters, poets, for centuries and thousands of years, and here we sit tonight, still captured by the story. There's just something very special about it. If you're, this is your first time with us, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard, and I'm so glad you came out to celebrate with us on Christmas Eve. And if you flip your handout over, there is, I always call it a fill-in, but tonight, this is my special Christmas gift to you. I filled them in. <laughs> so you don't have to wait, or if I forget, or I speak too fast, and like people come up, Tim, what was that third point? You know, you don't have to do that tonight. I've done it for you, and we'll be following along there. Uh, I want to read the text. Our text is out of the second chapter of Luke, and it's the story in the narrative, this beautiful story of the shepherds and how they got the news. And so let's read this, and I'll pray, and we'll jump into this. Luke 2, 8, 15. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and living in the manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, hmm, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Father, we ask for you to bless the next few minutes that we're together. Uh, Father, uh, we celebrate your goodness and your grace and your mercy and that your son has come to earth to reconcile and save and, Lord, mend that horrible breach that has been between mankind and you for so long. 
So help me, Lord, in my weakness tonight. I pray that this story would capture our hearts like it's captured so many. And that we would be reminded and also renewed, Lord, to celebrate the moment when you came to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, your first fill in there, as you can see, is this. And that is, I'm taking the verses of the song, and then we're taking the Luke passage and kind of superimposing it, putting it over the top of each other. So a thrill of hope has come to a weary world. A thrill of hope has come to a weary world. It was a very weary world during this period of time in Luke 2. Uh, Caesar Augustus, you know, when he was born, do you know what they called it? When Caesar Augustus was born, it was called the gospel, the good news. Did you know that? But all of a sudden, there's a new king on the block, and he's got better news than Augustus had. And that's uh, where the word gospel, good news, comes from. It's a good heralding. But it was a tough time. You know, it's a tough time now for some of you in, some, in many parts of the world, and maybe in your life. Maybe even tonight, there's things that are not like you would want them to be. Uh, maybe there's loss. Maybe you're struggling with something or a relationship. This can be a very weary place at times. And in this song and in this story, in this narrative of God's love for his creation, we get the greatest news we could ever get for a weary people. So if you're weary tonight, this is some very special news for you. And so God comes. He comes in the angels and, and uh, the angel first. One angel comes, steps before the shepherds. Now the shepherds are just your everyday hardworking people. They're just out there getting it done go to work. Nobody notices them. There's a shepherd, you know, doing it. And so I always try to imagine what it was like when they're there, standing there, you know, doing you know, the sheep and all, and all of a sudden an angel's like, bam, right there. You know, that's, it, it can be kind of humorous to think about, but here's the thing that grabs me, is that God decides that one of the people, the types of people he's going to show up and make this announcement to is just your everyday hardworking person. He decides, I'm going to let them know what's happening. And so he comes to the shepherds and he says, something great is happening here. You know, there, God has not spoken for 400 years. There's a period between the Old Testament and the New Testament where we have no record, no written record of God saying anything. Now, I'm sure he was speaking to people and all, but we don't have it in a book. We don't have it in the Bible. There's nothing. There's no history there. And so for 400 years, God is silent. And all of a sudden he shows up to an older couple. Zechariah and Elizabeth and says, you're going to have a son. You're going to call him John, right? And the first words out of that angel's mouth is fear not. First words from God in 400 years. And what do you hear? Fear not. What's about to happen is going to be glorious and wonderful. There's no reason to fear. You know, calm. It's okay. He says the same thing to Mary when he comes to her. He says, fear not, Mary. When he gives her the news, this young girl facing an older couple, younger couple. And then he comes to the everyday working person there out. And he shows up through an angel and he says, don't fear. Don't fear. This is good news. I know it's a weary life you're living, but there's good news coming in Jesus. This story, like I said, has captured shepherds. It's captured older people. It's captured young people. This story of Christ coming to earth has, is still capturing people. There's an author named Andrew Claven. Maybe you've read some of his stuff. If you watched the series True Crime, that was from his books. 
and all. Andrew Clavin uh, came to know Christ a little bit later, kind of, you know, in life. And Andrew, uh, when someone was interviewing him about this whole shift in how he saw life and in his writing, he said this. He said, but perhaps most important for a novelist who insisted that ideas should make sense, Christ came to me in stories. Slowly, I came to understand that his life, words, sacrifice, and resurrection formed the hidden logic behind every novel, movie, or play that touched my deepest mind. And I believe that behind every piece of art, behind every piece of music, behind every story, somewhere there's a longing for some reconciliation. Somehow, things have to be put to rights. There has to be a reconciliation, there has to be a settling, and there has to be a place of peace, and there has to be a place where we finally go, yes, this is it. And it all begins there in that manger at that time. Because the world can be a weary place, but God says, I'm bringing you some good news. Good news is coming. This is not bad news. Don't fear. Don't fear. The angel choir comes and I want, to, I want to read this because I think this is so good that all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's good enough, isn't it, that one angel's talking to you? Isn't that pretty cool? I mean, what are you doing? Your eyes are that big around and you're standing there. But then all of a sudden, thousands of angels show up. He's, I mean, imagine this. And, you know, in the Greek, it's like tons. Like there's no number to it. He's giving this good news to them about Christ coming and then all of a sudden, all of heaven breaks forth in a choir. And here's what they sing. They sing this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Glory to God in the heaven. And when it says heaven, we always think up. It's not mean, it doesn't mean He's on some planet up high. It means in that reality that's right beyond us. It exists right now, but you know the Bible writers when you're lifted up and high, that's power, that's authority. That's how you bow down, you look up, it's authority. It's, it's all the invested power of the universe, so it's heaven. But it's another reality. It's the reality of the kingdom of God, of the presence of God and His angels. And all of a sudden, that veil is pierced and all of heaven is there, standing around those, those shepherds. I can imagine, you know, oh, glory to God, you know, and, and there they are. Just hardworking guys, you know, getting it, trying to get it done. And, but they say glory to God in the heavens. But what has happened? Good news to man and peace has come down to earth. God's favor is now resting. Glory to God because they know what that means. They live their lives around the throne of God. That is what they do. They worship. They praise. They have been there for eternity praising God. And now something amazing has happened. God has come to earth. And they give testimony to it. God allows them to break into this world and give shouts and go, whoa, whoa. Do you know what's happening here, shepherds? God has come to earth. This is what's going on. The veil has been pierced. God has come down to reconcile his people back to himself. And that story, just like in Andrew's life, like the shepherd's life, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like Mary and Joseph, and like so many others of us in this room. You know, I got to tell you, the guy that told me about Jesus was sitting right back there in the first service. It was very hard for me to preach. I was, because my heart was going, I would not be standing here now if it wasn't for you, Danny, 46 years ago. The story you told me, I still tell it. It is still changing my life. And it will still change your life. 
The angels praise God in the heavens, but they say something amazing has happened to you, his creation, you humans, humankind. God has come down to you now. Do you know how special this is? Do you know what's happening? This changes everything. Your second feeling is this, and this goes with the second verse and with what Luke's talking about. Oppression shall cease as love, joy, and peace are released. Oppression shall cease as love, joy, and peace are released. The incarnation is what they call it when God came in Jesus Christ. And that is, incarnation means putting into flesh. And that is, God came into flesh. Now, that's something that theologians and many you know, people, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have, that has boggled your mind. But imagine this, God has allowed himself in his son to come in a small, fragile package to this earth. So, one of the reasons, so we know he knows how we are. He knows the frailties of this life. And, and so he comes in this small package. He's put on flesh for the very first time in eternity. This is a one-time deal. It happens once. In all of eternity. That's why the angels are so excited. They probably knew. They heard God talk about it. It's coming. It's coming. And now it's happening. And so when it comes, we hear these kind of words. And, and I tell our church this a lot. If you, when you study the Bible, when you read your chapters and all, look for recurring words. Just go through your chapter and go, well, I've seen that word. I've seen that word. I've seen that word. I've seen this word. That will help you understand what the writer is trying to get you to see. Because there's a recurring phrases and recurring words in there to try to grab your attention. Well, here's some of the words we hear in these first two chapters. I just went through my Bible and circled, like and counted the words that kept showing up in this message. And here's the words we get. Don't fear. Don't fear. You've been fearing the Roman authorities forever. You've been fearing poverty in your area. You don't know how you're going to raise your family. Don't fear anymore. There's some good news for you. Don't fear. You've been fearing God. You've been told to fear God forever. He's going to squash you like a bug, but he's come to raise you and to free you and to forgive you and to show you why you were created in the first place. You see joy over and over again. The angels go, joy, 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 joy. This is a good, beautiful thing that's happening. There's the word delight, that God takes delight in us, and that's why Christ has come. And it's called good news. And the word mercy shows up again and again. And then the word peace. Peace. Now the peace that God's talking about and the angels are talking about here is the peace that God brings to us for our relationship with him. That is that we don't have to fear that anymore in Jesus Christ. That in him accounts are settled and our relationship is secure. There's no more reason to fear him, but now there's every reason to love him. There's every reason to serve him. There's every reason to try to get to know him better. There's every reason to keep walking, even in an oppressive place, even in a place that's weary. There's every reason to keep walking because you have been made right standing with God. There is peace between you and your maker. And you know what? There is nothing you could have done about that. This is not because he looked down on us and he goes, look at Tim. He's trying hard as he can. I think I'll have a little mercy on him and save him. Because I wasn't trying hard as I was actually at the time. But he came and saved me. really wasn't trying very much at all. 
except to be very selfish. No, you know what he did? It was just his mercy and his grace that he looks out at us and he goes, I am going to choose to put my mercy on you and love you and make a way for you to be reconnected to me the way it should be. Just his divine love, grace, and mercy. It was all his initiative. All his. The thing that gets me too is this. Jesus, think about this. Now in Philippians 2, there's a passage that is called... It's where Jesus talks about him emptying himself, that he humbled. We just sang about the humble king, that he humbled himself. And he did. God allowed himself to get small in the flesh and a baby. But think about this. In the East, when the babies are born, what do they do? They tie them up like this. They bind them around their arms and their legs. They swaddle them like this to keep them still and straight. And when that happened to Jesus, that was the beginning of his emptying. His kenosis, because 33, 34 years later, he would be bound once again and taken to the cross for us. God emptied himself in Jesus Christ in order to reconcile us, to bring us back to himself. This is indeed a joyful moment. Zechariah saw this in, in uh, Luke 1. When the angel, he finally got it, right? Because uh, he couldn't speak. You know, he told him, said, you're going to name him John. There's nobody in my family named John. Remember that? And Zechariah, and so the angel goes, well, I guess you just won't be able to say a word until you can say John. So he was, you know, couldn't say anything. And so finally he gets it, you know. And when he does get it, he just breaks forth in praise too. Zechariah does because he gets it now. Oh, man, God is doing something new and wonderful. And Zechariah says this in his song of praise. He goes, because of the tender mercy of our God, or Zechariah, excuse me, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Are you needing peace tonight? When there's so much upset and so much weariness and so much bondage all around us, maybe in your life, do you need peace to know that it is well with your soul? Look to the manger. Look to Christ. Look to those shepherds leaving where they were to go. This is what's really cute to me. The angels did everything they could to try to get the shepherds to go. Did you notice that? They keep saying it. Choirs show up. They keep saying it. And finally they go, huh, I guess we should go, you know. Let's go check it out. There was a lady, and I've mentioned her testimony back here probably a year or so ago, a lady named Nicole Cliff, young woman, very educated, atheist, raised in an atheist family, uh, a nice person, really nice person, but, but did not believe in God. And she started getting exposed to the story of Christ, and she began to read, and some of her friends, and especially some of her close friends, began to show her the beauty of Christ in their lives. And so eventually, you know, it, she came to Christ. And she said that, you know, she was a nice person before and she had compassion and all, but since Christ had come into her life, it had just totally disarmed her. And I want you to listen to these words. I am more undone by love or kindness or friendship than I would have thought possible. Last night, I tried to explain who Henry Nowen was to a friend. And Henry Nowen, if you've never read him, you should. You should pick him up. Amazing author. So some visiting cousins, and they had to bring me Kleenex, which they did sweetly and cautiously as though I might melt in front of them. 
This morning I read a piece in Texas Monthly that literally sank me to my knees at how broken this world is and yet how stubbornly resilient and joyful we can be in the face of that brokenness. I never possessed much chill. To be honest, now I have none whatsoever. That's what this story will do to you. It will disarm you. And in the midst of great brokenness in this world, you will still find peace and you can still find comfort in the midst of all that we see around us. Yesterday, I'm reading a review of an article that's in National Geographic about Jesus, an archaeological article. And the woman that wrote the article, I thought it was really good, but the person who reviewed the article said this about her. They said, at first, she tries to keep an objective approach but with every passing line, the author's bias toward divinity seeps through. The woman can't help herself in National Geographic in this article without being overwhelmed by the story. She ends up preaching it in National Geographic and gets criticized for it because she gets overwhelmed for it, with it. That's the story that we celebrate tonight. You know, the shepherds, after all of that great experience, they had to decide to go to Bethlehem. They had to go, let's go see this thing. And that's where we are tonight. Each of us have to decide if we are going to go and check it out. But if you do, you may end up in one of these stories. That may be you whose life is changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And this story, this amazing, mind-boggling, life-changing experience, Lord, of being able to come to know you. And that's my prayer for folks here in this room, that we would, as the shepherds did, after we've heard this story, that we would go, let us go and see this thing that has happened. And you could do no better tonight, folks, friends, than to respond. Because the shepherds went and they saw. And it says they went back rejoicing. And you can go back rejoicing tonight. Back to your life, back to your work, back to where you were. But you can go back with a change in your life. This is the offering of Christ at Christmas time. When God comes to earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.